If you could send a letter to your past self before the pandemic to prepare yourself for 2020, what would you say? We asked Californians that same question for this ongoing series presented by JFF. We're here to elevate the voices of people across the state who have been affected by the pandemic and the resulting economic crisis. Through their stories, we will examine what it takes to recover stronger and more equitably. I'm Renee Faulkner, and this is Communities in Recovery. On April 7th, California Governor Gavin Newsom announced a plan to fully reopen California's economy on June 15th. Assuming the state's COVID-19 hospitalization rates remained low and there was enough vaccine supply, businesses and schools could reopen and Californians could get back to everyday activities. While this was great news for some, getting back to the way it was won't help those who were struggling before the pandemic and who we've seen bear a disproportionate brunt of job losses, school closures, and COVID infection rates. As we consider recovery, how do we ensure that our efforts correct the impacts of the pandemic and also address the systemic issues of poverty, racism, and community disinvestment that have been brought to the forefront this past year? In today's episode, nonprofit leader Sandra Celadon offers some compelling answers to that question. Spurred by the urgency to provide bold solutions in response to the direct needs of communities in a time of crisis, her organization, Fresno Building Healthy Communities, is shining a spotlight on what it will take for historically marginalized people to not only survive, but thrive in a post-pandemic California. In our conversation, Sandra explains how the status quo is not working and why new approaches are needed to prevent repeating mistakes of the past. Dear Sandra, as you read this in February 2020, it's hard to believe Fresno Building Healthy Communities has been around for 10 years now. It's been such an honor to work alongside community to elevate the dreams, needs, and vision people in Fresno want to see for themselves. Did you ever imagine your public health work would lead you to champion parks? I know you are anxiously waiting to hear back from the California Parks Department about the Callaway Renovation Grant a $6.6 million investment in your beloved home of Kawa. It feels like the most important project you have ever been part of and will bring much needed investment and hope to the people of Kawa. That along with the Measure P case to fund parks and outdoor programs that is working its way through the courts will change the trajectory of the city. Don't worry, you got this. I know you are thinking about the next phase of your life and career, but the COVID-19 pandemic will pull you back to champion healthcare access and health equity. It will take you back to your days championing health for sex workers, people experiencing homelessness, and others who are often left in the margins. Your strengths will be needed. You will feel pulled in multiple directions and you will want to shut down. But this is where your experience, personal power, and knowledge will be most useful. Not for you or for Fresno BHC, but for the community organizations that need support to be able to sustain community. Please lend your talents. It will be a rough year. You will miss your community, experience death, and feel depleted. But you will also experience hope and be wrapped by community. Trust the community that raised you and know that this is an opportunity to pivot big systems in the ways that you've dreamed for more than 20 years now. Don't let a tragedy go to waste. You already know that life is rough for the everyday people, and you will get frustrated by those barely figuring it out. Be kind. 
2020 will not be the year you planned. There will be no exit. The seeds you've planted will bloom. Water them and tend to them so they take root. 2021 will be just as hard, but you will have a workflow that is reflective and responsive to people. Don't worry. The goal for 2021 is to make it through and keep shifting those big systems little by little. You are setting the ship on a new course and it will pay off in the end for people. Remember that change comes in small steps and it feels like you are moving in slow motion almost all the time. But you will look back and you will see just how much community power has grown. Keep a steady pace and take some time to breathe. Sandra, April 2021. Thank you, Sandra, for joining us on our podcast today. And thank you for sharing this letter. It sounds like you had a lot going on in 2020 before the shutdown. So tell us a little bit about Fresno Building Healthy Communities and your role there. Yeah, Fresno Building Healthy Communities is a coalition of community-based organizations, people, young folks, hardworking, everyday folks that are committed to a vision of One Healthy Fresno. And that's really a community that affords and provides folks with the opportunities that they need and the resources um, to be able to thrive. And so my role at Fresno Building Healthy Communities as the, the executive director is really to be able to bring folks together um, to, to work towards that shared vision and bring resources together and advance policies, advance systems change, um, and ultimately build and leverage the community connections and community power to be able to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And you talk in your letter a little bit, you give some examples of some things that Fresno BHC was doing before the pandemic. Um, this Calwa grant, Measure P, so you had a, it was a very busy time, it sounds like. Um, so what changed with the pandemic? Did, did you have to pivot at all? Yeah. So, you know, Fresno Building Healthy Communities has historically have been focused very heavily on community development, and, and that's been primarily through parks and outdoor spaces. And so when COVID, you know, um, when the pandemic hit, we had to pivot and really shift our attention to what I call more direct services. And that's really to, you know, meet the need of folks that are that are struggling, right, that folks that have been struggling um, but that those str- where those struggles were exacerbated by the pandemic. And so we ended up shifting um, to this huge project that we call the COVID Equity Project um, that is a partnership with uh, other community-based organizations to provide direct relief to community members that are impacted by COVID um, through financial support to enable folks to isolate and, and quarantine but also to get information to folks, right? We know that immigrant and refugee communities in Fresno County were not um, being served um, in the early days of the pandemic. We're not getting information that was accurate and up to date. And so we pivoted to implement the COVID equity project, which also resulted in hiring 100 community health workers that we were able to train in partnership with the Central Valley Health Policy Institute, right, and leverage that community infrastructure, right, so those social connections again, um, and employ folks, right, in the middle of a pandemic. Wow, that's amazing. What did it take to pivot in that way from an organizational point of view? Really, the hardest um, component of that work was getting our government systems in line. 
um, to support the COVID equity project. And so it was really monumental, I think, for, for Fresno Building Healthy Communities and for the COVID equity project to be funded by both the city of Fresno and the county of Fresno through CARES um, Act dollars. And so, you know, I always share this as an example is that in, you know, 2013 to 2015, we were in opposition to the Fresno County Public Health Department because at that time they were looking to cut the safety net programs um, that specifically provided healthcare access to undocumented Fresnans. And so kind of remembering that work and that battle, right, in those early years to then, you know, in 2020, the Fresno County Public Health Department actually partnering with us to specifically provide relief to undocumented, um, to refugee, to immigrant Fresnans was such a huge shift that if you would have asked me, you know, in 2015 that I would have saw that coming, I would have said, absolutely not, not, not with this county, right? Mm. And so, so that was a huge opportunity that I think we were able to leverage and that I'm thankful that the county was able to come on board um, and be able to support and partner with us and see, right, firsthand the power of community. That's right. Yeah. And as we start to shift our minds toward the future and start to think about economic recovery, what's going to be the role of community and community-based organizations in ensuring that we have an equitable recovery? Moving forward, community organizations and coalitions like Fresno Building Healthy Communities really are going to need to continue to elevate the root cause of all of these issues and really keep pushing and advancing investments in the in ways that truly change those root causes. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in the same situation, right, down the line when there's another pandemic or just in general, right? Because folks, we know that uh, we're already struggling prior to the pandemic, right? It wasn't like all of a sudden, you know, folks went without housing or folks went without access to um, healthcare or access to resources, folks had already been living that way. It was just that it was easy to overlook that. And the pandemic has brought it glaringly to the forefront. So what are those root causes and how do we address them? The fact that if we want to have healthy people, a healthy workforce and a healthy economy, we have to have healthy communities. And they don't just happen. We have to plan for them, right? And so when we really start to kind of look at the built environment, we have to recognize that the built environment magnified the impacts of COVID for Black, Brown, and Southeast Asian communities and, and many minority communities, right? We have to look at the disinvestment that has happened in our communities that is a direct result of racism. And I think when people talk about equity is kind of, for me, a, a vanilla way of talking about racism, because we have to talk about racism. Why is it that in Fresno, the historical Black community is also the community that historically was redlined, right? And so Black folks had to live in this neighborhood. They couldn't purchase homes anywhere outside of that neighborhood. That's the neighborhood that lacks public um, transportation infrastructure, that has only one grocery store, where we know there's folks that are li living in deep concentrated poverty, that is also served as home for immigrants, right, in, in later years, and that is still predominantly a community of color. Mm -hmm. And so without talking about racism as the root of disinvestment, 
then when we're making investments, we're going to make the same mistakes of the past. Absolutely. So in your mind, what does an equitable or anti-racist recovery look like? How do we do it? For me, it's really about, again, addressing, you know, core priorities. So as we start to think about how do we reinvest in small businesses, we need to be prioritizing investing in businesses that are owned by women that are owned by uh, folks of color, right? In Fresno, for a long time, many folks have been calling for direct investment in Black-owned businesses. So I think that needs to be a priority, right? When we start to think about who gets access to funding, right? We need to make sure that we're prioritizing investments in businesses that are also the ones that employ and most likely employ people of color. So we have to do that. I think the other piece is also building on infrastructure. This is an opportunity for local governments who have not had an infusion of cash of this magnitude to invest in public transportation infrastructure, because we know that people uh, who rely on public transportation, right, not only rely on public transportation for job opportunities, but also for education, right, to access other services like healthcare. And so this is an opportunity to to leverage that capital in a way that will have long-term impacts. And so all of those, I think, responses require shifting our perspective, right, and also shifting who we value. And so we have to shift the way that we're having conversations and who we consider to be experts. Yeah. And whose voices do we need to hear in this conversation going forward? I think that the voices that really need to be centered here are community. If you were to ask me for Fresno, who are essential workers? I would say farm workers, grocery store workers, right, restaurant workers, child care providers, both formal and informal. And so we have folks that most often do not get asked, what is it that you need? What is it that you want to see in our in, in your life and in your community? And so I think that even for for Fresno Building Healthy Communities, it's really important for us to get out of the way and make room for folks. And so I think it's important to keep centering those voices, right, to talk to small grassroots organizations that are not going to have reach to the governor's office. Right. Those are the organizations on the ground daily. Those are the organizations that are going out to work sites. Those are the organizations that get called right when there's a death in a family. And so we need to be able to connect, right, and build that network to make sure that we're centering the voices of people in community. And that's going to be also a massive shift because most of us are not used to having to do that work because it's hard. It takes time. Right. And it's not you know, readily accessible because you have to build trust. Right. You have to build trust in order for people to tell you what's really going on in their lives. Yeah. Well, one thing that one of our former colleagues always said, you know, you move at the speed of trust. Yep. And so as quickly as we want to reopen, as quickly as we want to recover, as quickly as we want to move policy, whatever, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to relationships and trust. Absolutely. And that's the that's the I think a huge kind of aha moment that I think happened for folks at the state level. You do move at the at, at the pace of trust. Right. And that. And that also it's important to recognize that there's valid reasons why community doesn't have trust in systems, in organizations, or even in people, right? That folks have experienced, right, 
racism in so many different ways, right, at a personal level, community level, at an institutional level, that it's really hard to trust. And so we have to be able to allow for that space and for that trust to build and to happen. And again, you know, our priority for some folks may be reopening the economy, but it's not going to do us any good if we reopen the economy at the expense of building long-term community trust, because ultimately that economy is still not going to work. Who do you hope is listening to this podcast and what do you want them to know? I hope that community organizers are tuning in and I want them to know that they they absolutely have uh, the answers and that very often in our society, community organizers and community are devalued. Um, and so I just want to make sure folks hear that in a pandemic, which is when your value matters most, there is nobody more important than community and community organizers. And I think, you know, for, for folks that are in a decision-making capacity, whether that's, you know, philanthropy or institutions or even politicians, um, that what I want them to hear is um, to be um, humble, to have a little humility, and that leadership really is about letting others um, lead, right? And it's about making space for others and that this is an opportunity to try something on that's different, And that this is an opportunity to build that trust with community and that I hope that they um, leverage this opportunity. And, you know, when I said about, you know, don't let a tragedy go to waste, right? I think that's the call for folks to, you know, don't let something as monumental as a pandemic that can be and has been um, really damaging to many of us, right? But it can also be something that can be a starting point for something new. Yeah, that's right. If you could send a letter to yourself in the future in 2022, what would be the most important things for you to remember about what you're experiencing today? And what do you hope to have accomplished a year from now? Dear Sandra 2022, the COVID-19 pandemic really showed And it allowed you to experience community um, in a way that even you, who've grown in a community that's full of richness, um, didn't think was possible. And I remember early on in the pandemic, one of my friends said, you know, after having a conversation with their mom, who's who's also an immigrant, and and mom said, you know, mijo, We'll live through this one like we've lived through all of them. And at that time, just thinking, man, I don't know that to be true. And so now knowing to trust your elders, that at the end of the day, we're survivors. And we're going to survive because we're going to rely on each other. And that's really how we've gotten through the pandemic, right? Community has really demonstrated its power of being able to survive and more importantly, being able to thrive. And ultimately, the community showed you that there could be joy in the midst of hurt and pain and stress. And so it's important to think about those days where, you know, you could barely get up and and wanting to keep living those moments of joy that really kept pushing. And that I hope that 
the systems that have come on board to change, to invest in community, keep that investment going, right? That ultimately joy and more joy can happen when people don't have to think about survival. And so I hope that this little seed that we've planted in in 2020 and in 2021 starts to grow in 2022 and that it really becomes the seed for the next generation of residents, many of them who are young folks, right? And keep recognizing that um, that the future of Fresno is in color, that the future of Fresno is vibrant, and that even though you may not get to see the beauty that will come from this, it's there and that you've done as much as you could and that um, it's not up to you anymore, that it's already out in the wind. Keep remembering the two quotes. Be careful when you fight monsters lest you become one. And the other quote is that it is important to plant trees under whose shade you do not expect to sit. And that I, you fully believe that the work that you've taken and, um, during the pandemic is you planting trees. I know you're doing well. Love, Sandra, 2021. That was great, Sandra. We look forward to seeing your work come to fruition. I want to thank our guest, Sandra, for joining me today and sharing her story with us. In the last year, we have seen how community-based organizations are crucial to connecting those who are disproportionately impacted by job losses, closures, and COVID contraction rates. These organizations play a critical role in supporting economic recovery by ensuring that regional decision makers strengthen partnerships that build trust and focus investment in communities. And in doing so, they are paving the way toward a more inclusive recovery. This has been Communities in Recovery, presented by JFF. We are on a mission to create an equitable and resilient economy that everyone can contribute to and benefit from. And while we can't change the past, we can look toward the future with hope. We hope you continue to tune in and join our conversation at jff.org. Thanks for listening.